mornings. I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, remember the story of the Oregon high school football coach who disarmed a would-be shooter with a hug? Well, now Keenan Lowe has written a new book about that experience and how he came to be in the right place at the right time to begin with. Also this morning with Armed Forces Day this weekend and Memorial Day coming up, the National Commander of the American Legion discusses their effort to get the Honoring Our Pact Act through Congress. In case you missed it, we have details on tomorrow's annual Findlay Police Department Bicycle Rodeo and more tasty and easy-to-make recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Friday, May 20th, 2022. National Be a Millionaire Day. If it was just as easy as saying it, (laughs) then that would be awesome. Also, National Flower Day. If you can't be a millionaire, just stop and smell the roses. (laughs) It's a flower day. World Autoimmune Arthritis Day. National Pick Strawberries Day. National Rescue Dog Day. National Quiche Lorraine Day. World Bee Day. It is Endangered Species Day, International Red Sneakers Day, National Bike to Work Day. <laughs> it's, if you're not a millionaire, you have to bike to work because you can't afford. And uh, National Pizza Party Day. There's something we can all get in, get behind right there. So uh, this was kind of interesting. Yesterday, the Census Bureau basically admitted that they messed it up. The Census Bureau and their canvassers did their absolute best to carry out the 2020 census amid the huge disruption of the pandemic. But it turns out that six states were significantly undercounted in the 2020 census and eight states were significantly overcounted. This is according to figures released by the Census Bureau yesterday. The, my immediate thought is, how do they know now that they overcounted or undercounted uh, a, a, a state? If they didn't know then, how do they know now? But apparently they've done some uh, post-enumeration studies. And I guess they do this after every census. They continue to analyze and collect data. And then, you know, because they have a deadline to have the numbers out, but they keep on going and uh, then they do a post enumeration survey to figure out just how close they were. Uh, Again, I don't know why. And this is the thing. It's it's based on a survey. So rather than a hard count. So the estimate is that six states were significantly undercounted. Eight states were significantly overcounted. About 5% of residents in Arkansas and Tennessee were missed. Uh, Four other states had significant undercounts that could cost them federal funds. And in Florida and Texas, it appears to have cost them congressional seats. On the other side, among the eight states that were overcounted, it appears to have kept Minnesota and Rhode Island from losing congressional seats. The undercounts were in Arkansas at 5%, Tennessee 4.8%, Mississippi 4.1%, Florida about 3.5%, Illinois 1.9%. Again, these are undercounts. And Texas 1.9%. The overcounts were in Hawaii, 
at uh, almost 6.8% overcount. <laughs> Maybe they caught people who were just vacationing there. Um, Delaware, 5.4%. Rhode Island, 5%. Minnesota, 3.8% overcount. New York, 3.4%. Utah, 2.6%. Massachusetts, 2.2%. And Ohio, uh, among the eight biggest overcounting states at one and a half percent they say they overcounted ohio by a percent and a half so and we still lost seats and they we lost a seat um in congress and they're now saying that they overcounted ohio on top of that now changes at this point cannot be made to the official numbers but that's what they say as of right now the census interesting Numbers that came out uh, yesterday. Uh, speaking of Ohio, you've heard about this, uh, I'm, I'm guessing. Hammerhead worms, an invasive species, have been spotted in Ohio. Trumbull County, Dark, and Portage counties. And the Ohio State University Extension uh, is warning residents that... Uh, it says here, the OSU extension in Trumbull County warned, warned residents earlier this month that a homeowner had spotted a hammerhead worm in their yawn, uh, in their yawn, in their lawn. Uh, Dark and Portage counties have also uh, reported the invasive species. And this is the reason I bring it up. I thought this was kind of interesting. If you happen to see a hammerhead worm, um, because they want to get rid of this, they want to eradicate it because it's an invasive species. Um it turns out these these worms reproduce asexually. So the OSU extension warns that if you do find one, don't do something like cutting it in half because that will result in two new worms. Both sides will will grow and create two new worms if you cut it in half. Instead, they say the best method to kill it is to use either salt or rubbing alcohol. So there you go. If you want to kill the uh, hammerhead worms. I, we haven't seen them here. But if they're in Trumbull and Dark and Portage counties. It's probably only a matter of time. Before we see them throughout the state of Ohio. So interesting. So don't, don't cut them in half. Uh, good news there. TGI Friday morning. Waking up. Getting uh, ready to get going here. Uh, it's going to be a. Warm and windy day. It'll be a beautiful Friday. Really nice weekend ahead. But if you are dragging a little bit, getting out of bed this morning, uh, maybe it's because you did not let your pet sleep with you in your bed. If it seems indulgent to let your pet snooze with you on the bed, you may want to think again and cozy up together more. New data suggests that people who co-sleep with their pets may reap the benefits of better sleep. As a survey of 2,000 American pet owners finds that 7 in 10 said they got better quality sleep when their pet is in bed with them at night. 51%, a little more than half, reported having a pet in bed helps them manage their stress and anxiety as well, which can lead to better sleep. So, there you go. Uh, if you are uh, a little tired up this morning. Yeah. Uh, with the weekend coming up, I thought this was kind of interesting. We're coming up on uh, graduation season and uh, all of that. 
And, of course, uh, for college students, they're getting set to uh, knock off for the summer. Many of them already have. High school students are now thinking about where what they want to do next, considering their options. I don't know if this will influence your son or daughter at all, or maybe it will give you motivation to try and influence your son or daughter, steer them toward or away one option or the other. But students who attend four-year colleges tend to drink nearly double the amount of alcohol as their peers in community college do. Students in four-year colleges drink more, according to research out of Washington State University. However, when it comes to smoking marijuana, students in community college and other two-year institutions generally smoke more weed. These findings are based on a survey of local college students in the Seattle area. Uh, The leader of the study, the lead study author, Jennifer Duckworth, said, I expected differences in both alcohol and marijuana use among two- and four-year college students, but was surprised by the magnitude of the differences given that the subjects are the same age. Uh, uh, The study authors say, Uh, They cannot determine right now what's behind these differences in substance use, but they theorize that perceptions of peer use may be one major factor. Many four-year college students told researchers they thought their peers drank more than two-year students believe their peers drank. Meanwhile, two-year students thought their peers used marijuana much more often than four-year students uh, thought their peers did. So that's maybe some kind of perception over reality going on there, but I thought that was kind of interesting as well. And uh, one other item here among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. As I mentioned, if you're dragging a little bit, uh, getting up, getting going this morning, maybe it's because that your newborn baby kept you up at night. When it comes to being a new parent, Nobody has all the answers, except maybe Google. (laughs) A new survey says new parents in 2022 check Google an average of six times a day. Uh, This was a survey commissioned by CeraVe, the skincare company. The average worrisome American parent hits hits up Google 2,000 times within their baby's first year, it says. (laughs) And... uh, 43% of the searches looked for what baby products were recommended by child care experts for advice on skin issues. Again, CeraVe, the skincare company, commissioned the survey. So I don't know if they had the thumb on the scale, but they say 43% of searches looked for what baby products were recommended for advice on skin issues. 40% had questions relating to feeding. 38% wanted to know why their baby was crying. 37% wondered why their baby wasn't sleeping. What's surprising is the, uh, those last two ones there didn't take the top spots. I would have thought that those would be right up there at the top. 38% of new parents polled say they were surprised by what they didn't know about bringing up baby in that first year. Sleepless nights and two-minute showers aside, two in three of the parents in the poll say that becoming a parent was their life's greatest achievement. So, I thought that was uh, kind of interesting. What did we ever do before Google? It turns out we couldn't even raise our kids before before Google. 
There you go. Some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Friday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. A chance of showers early today, then becoming partly sunny with a high of 90. It'll be partly to mostly cloudy tonight, a low of 71. One of the biggest military shows in the country is happening in Finley this weekend. John Cheney II is commander of the Finley Military Association. What's going on this weekend is our tribute to the brave men and women of the armed forces celebrating Armed Forces Day, which is Saturday, the third Saturday of every May. The Finley Show 35th Annual Armed Forces Day celebration is happening at the Hancock County Fairgrounds. You can get more of our conversation with John and see the full schedule on the website. The West Ohio Food Bank will be holding food distributions this weekend as inflation continues to affect families. The food bank says they usually ask that people be at or below 200% of the poverty level to get food, but no one will be turned away. The Hancock County Food Distribution will be held at First Presbyterian Church on South Main in Finley. And in Putnam County, there will be a food distribution at St. John's Mennonite Church in Pandora. You can get more details on these and other upcoming food distributions on the website. Two Finley High School students have earned a perfect score on the ACT. High school principal Ryan Emke. Finley High School does have a, a long history of students showing great success on the ACT. Most recently, even this year's valedictorian, Ethan Zhang, also received a 36 perfect score on the ACT. And the two students earning that perfect ACT are Ethan Zhang, a senior, and Dominic Gonzalez, a junior. Next week, some amusement park lovers will be taking Cedar Point to court. Cedar Point pass holders, they say that they want refunds for the season that was cut short by COVID-19. The park's parent company, Cedar Fair, extended all passes from that year into the next season. The company argues the passes do have limitations that are legal. Owen and Yolanda Harris. The Humane Society and SPCA of Hancock County will be holding two adoption events this weekend. One will be at Great Lakes Toyota Subaru and the other at the Finley YMCA East Branch. We have a link on our website where you can see what animals they have up for adoption. And remember, you can get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Well, our next guest garnered national attention back in 2019 when he stepped in and stopped a potential tragedy at Parkrose High School in Portland, Oregon by disarming a would-be shooter with little more than a hug. You remember this story, right? That heroic action catapulted Keenan Lowe to hero status, and now he has written a book about that incident, what he learned from it, and how it changed his life called Hometown Victory, a coach's story of football, fate, and coming home. And Keenan, prior to that day, almost exactly three years ago, you were the hero coach who was going to turn around the Park Rose High School football team. You could have never imagined that you would become a hero and an entirely different and more powerful sense of the word. Um, that that had to that had to impact you on any number of levels. Yeah, that's uh it's something obviously you don't think will ever happen to you. You know, I obviously signed up at that school to be the head football coach and I became the head track coach as well and then I kind of tripled as the uh school security uh campus security guard there. And it's uh you know, it's nothing that you would ever remotely imagine uh that you'll run into an incident like that. Um, you know, and thankfully everything that I've been through through my entire life 
uh, kind of prepared me for that moment. And, uh, and that's the cool part about uh, hometown victory in the book I wrote is, is it's, it's a book that's much more than just the incident. Yeah. Um, I had an opportunity to write, to write about the incident and add my commentary on it. Um, but I kind of lay out how my whole life prepared me for that moment. Was it hard adjusting to all of the attention, uh, you know, being heaped upon you and, and, you know, being called a hero? I know a lot of people who do heroic things are often uncomfortable with being called a hero. Yeah, I mean, I think the attention was, was fine. You know, I played uh, at the University of Oregon, um, big time football there, you know, and so I had been used to some attention right. as, as far as, you know, getting notoriety and, and fans and all that kind of stuff and good messages from people online and all that. But yeah, as far as the, the hero tag, you know, that's, that's something, you know, I had to get, get used to because like you said, there are, uh, I mean, there's everyday heroes that we never hear about, yeah. you know, and just so happens that I, I was kind of thrusted into that, that spotlight because there happened to be a, a video of, of the incident and, mm-hmm. and obviously the magnitude of the incident. Yeah, kind of blew up. So I, I definitely understand that um, there are he- everyday heroes out there that, you know, that kind of go unnoticed, but they are out there. And and did you spend uh, any time afterwards kind of in that mindset of, you know, why me? Why, you know, why did fate put me in that place at that moment in time? Do you ever have that 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 uh, period of wondering why? Yeah, I think that was uh, like. I mean, every single day for, for a few weeks, I mean, mm. you know, maybe months after that incident, I, that was a question I kept asking myself, you know, as things started to, uh, to pick up. And again, as I started to get more attention for the incident and as that video came out and everything, I just, that was definitely a question I asked myself, um, you know, why, why me, why, why was I put in that position? And, and then I guess the answer I kind of came to is, is that, you know, I was put in that position because I, I was a person that was able to respond in the right way. I think I was the right person for that job yeah. to save that young man and save that school from that tragedy. And obviously, fast forward to today, as you were mentioning in the book, you detail not only what happened on that day, but the real story uh, of the book, the real message that you share in the book goes far beyond the details of the moment itself. Correct. Yep. And again, I had, you know, I had the opportunity to, to really uh, dissect my life and, and uh, kind of review my life, which is the cool part about writing a, writing a book about your life in a memoir type of way. And so I got to dissect my life a little bit and, and got to, to share messages and share stories uh, from my childhood, whether it was, you know, growing up with a single mother and, and, uh, you know, having a father that, that struggled with, with uh, alcohol and, and uh, you know, just growing up and, and playing big-time football at the University of Oregon with all those great teams that we were on with the mm-hmm. Heisman winner of, of Marcus Mariota and, right. them and and coaching in the NFL as a, young, as a young kid straight out of college and being around Colin Kaepernick when he was around uh, taking his knee when I worked for the 49ers. I mean, mm-hmm. there's, there's just so many levels, levels to the story I was able to put into the pages and again, the incident is kind of the culmination of all of that. Yeah. Why I was able to react in that way is, is because I'd been through a whole bunch in my life that I was able to uh, 
to kind of lay out in a, in a cool way. And I think people are really going to enjoy the story. Well, yeah. And, and I think that's interesting too. I mean, uh, on some level you were kind of, uh, able to relate to, um, sort of the struggles, uh, that, that many kids, I remember at the time that incident sparked a larger discussion about the psychological triggers and the circumstances in young people's lives that lead them to perpetrate these horrific acts and, and ways to reach troubled kids before they get to that point. And it, it, the, it was really driven home again by the fact that, you know, after this, uh, this would be shooter was disarmed you just gave him a hug and, and that seems such a powerful moment that spoke volumes. Yeah. Yep. And it's, uh, again, that was a natural reaction, but it, it felt right in that reaction. And it definitely was the right thing to do because, mm-hmm. you know, when a kid acts out in that way, it's, it's, it's a mental health problem. And, and a lot, oftentimes it's a mental health crisis, you know, and, and that was the example that I was put in is, is the, uh, the young man was, was, was in the middle of, a mental health crisis. And I don't think, you know, I needed to respond in violence um, as the, the adult of the situation. Um, once, you know, once uh, the gun was taken away and once, once there was no threat to anyone, you know, I didn't need to respond to violence. I, I think I needed to, uh, to give him a little bit of love and, and mm-hmm. uh, respond in that way and, and treat it as a crisis uh, for his mental health. And, and again, yeah. that's a bigger discussion. It's uh, our kids today our youth today are going through a lot and um, I get to shed light in that uh, in hometown victory. And I think by reading it, if you're an adult or an educator, I think you can get a better understanding of kind of what our kids are going through. I I got to. No, go ahead. Finish that thought. No, I I would say I I had the opportunity to, to, to share some stories about some of the young men I had had the opportunity to coach and work with at that school. And some of them were homeless and, some of them had parents that, uh, you know, were on drugs and, and situations like that, you know, that, that cause a lot of harm to, to a young person's mental health through no fault of their own. Yeah. So kids today are going through a lot. Uh, is that really ultimately kind of the, the larger message uh, in the book that uh, people will take away? The largest message in the book, I think, is that everyone is fighting a battle um, that, you know, you might not know that they're fighting, you know, an invisible battle within themselves, whether it was some of the examples I got to lay out the battles that I fought when I was young, uh, some of the battles that my father fought, some of the battles that my, my best friend who, who passed away of, of a drug overdose, which ultimately brought me back to Portland, Oregon and coaching that, that finding that school to coach those high school kids. And obviously the, the student in the classroom and in the hallways, um, everyone's fighting a battle that we don't really know uh, that they're fighting. So the ultimate message is to, t- to continue to be kind to each other and to uh, continue to spread positivity. A powerful message indeed. Uh, as a postscript on all of this, you actually left Park Rose High School not long after all of this happened. Was that because of the opportunities that came your way after all of the notoriety or was it a situation where you felt you just couldn't stay? Yeah, it was, it was more so it was a situation where it kind of felt like I, uh, I couldn't really stay, mm. you know, I, again, through this whole thing, it's, it had been a whirlwind yeah. of, uh, a life changing event and, uh, it just felt, it, it felt like it, it was time to kind of move on mm-hmm. and not, and not be, uh, 
not be kind of stuck in that that same uh, yeah. that script there yeah. that I had already kind of written and kind of I, I, I felt like I did what I was supposed to do there by mentoring those kids and coaching football for a couple of years there and working in that school and then obviously ultimately making the headlines with, with the school shooter. It just felt like I needed to continue to, to, to move and, and just take a step in a different direction. Yeah. And then obviously the pandemic hit. So um, right. we all had to take a step back from everything we were doing. And, and that was actually the inception of this book is right when the pandemic started, I, I started writing. And I wanted to start mm. to tell my story. I had a lot of time on my hands. So yeah, um, that this book is kind of what came from that. Yeah. So uh, a little bit in there about the uh, effect that all of this had on you, uh, even as the uh, quote unquote hero of the story, uh, as it were, uh, something that touches uh, that touched everyone involved. Again, the book is uh, Hometown Victory, a coach's story of football fate and coming home. Keenan Lowe is the uh, author. Do you have a website in conjunction with the book, by the way, that uh, we can guide folks to? No, we can just get it on Amazon okay. or right. uh, Barnes, Barnes and Noble. Okay. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I, I'm really excited for, for people to dive into the book. And I really think it's going to have a positive effect on students, teachers, educators, coaches, sports lovers. I think everyone's going to love it. Well, let's hope so. It is a really fascinating book. Keenan Lowe, thanks very much for uh, taking the time. We certainly appreciate it. Best of luck with the book. Thank you. I appreciate your time. When we get into the month of May, Memorial Day is the observance that most people immediately think of honoring those who have given the ultimate sacrifice in service to our country. But tomorrow is Armed Forces Day in honor of those who are currently serving in the military. Now, of course, we are reminded of that each year locally with the Armed Forces Day celebration at the fairgrounds, the Findlay Military Show, as it is officially called. But we are joined this morning by a special guest. Paul Dillard is National Commander of the American Legion, the nation's largest veterans service organization with nearly 2 million members and over 12,000 posts nationwide. Paul, yours is an organization dedicated to bettering the lives of all of those who have stepped up and sacrificed in so many ways to serve. And right now, there is a piece of legislation that you are lobbying for called the Honoring Our Pact Act. Tell us more about this. Okay, yeah. That, that's, that's a very hot topic and a very important bill for our veterans, that Honoring Our Pact Act, P-A-C-T, uh, our promise to address comprehensive toxic exposure. And that's what it stands for. Uh, it, it, it covers several generations, but above all, the, what's uh, everything that's important, but our Gulf War veterans and, and our uh, veterans on uh, war on terrorism that was over in Iraq and Afghanistan, exposure to open air burn pits. They are suffering from real health conditions. Everything lung diseases, uh, cancers, skin problems, and things like that. People don't realize that that was a daily uh, just uh, occurrence. It burned pit. We had to burn everything over to dispose of it. Mm -hmm. And so these men and women were exposed to it, and now they are suffering from health conditions. And this bill has 23 presumptives in it that will help these men and women to get the health care that they so deserve. And this bill could actually affect 3.5 million uh, 
veterans that, that, that basically have suffered illness directly related to the service. And so uh, it does, it, it helps us in the, the atomic radiation. You know, uh, the folks that went over to the Russian uh, K2 camps, what it was called, and done the cleanup and stuff over there, and, and uh, you know, when it was a uh, no Russian base, and mm-hmm. they, they got exposure. And, and we, we, we've really got to do something for these veterans today, and it's time to do it. I ask all of your listeners to contact their senator and ask them to support this bill, vote for this bill. If not now, when? How do we tell a child that your mom or dad couldn't get the health care because it appeared to be too expensive? Yeah. What's a life worth? Now, you have said that you would love to have this passed in Congress soon. A Memorial Day event signing it into law would be most opportune timing. Where does this bill stand right now? Well, of course, we don't know. It's in the Senate. It has passed the House. As I said, it passed the House. It is in the Senate, and it just depends on when they take action. Sure, Memorial Day would be a great day because those fallen heroes... uh, What a day that if they could say to take care of our veterans that are in need of help. So it would be great. But regardless of when, Memorial Day or not, we need it as soon as possible. We need to take action and pass this bill. Again, Paul Dillard is National Commander of the American Legion with us in advance of Armed Forces Day this weekend. Where do folks uh, learn more about uh, this act, about your uh, efforts legislatively uh, to support uh, those who have served and your organization and, and what, are you, what you are doing uh, in an ongoing manner uh, for veterans uh, all, uh, all over the country? Okay, first of all, to, to uh, you know, find out more, Go to our national website, legion.org, and you can search on there. Uh, you'll see everything from legislation, and that will talk about some of our priorities and, 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 and the progress of maybe some bills where they're at. But uh, this one's uh, in the Senate, and, and we need that action. But you can go on legion.org and find most, most everything you want to about any of our programs, any of our four pillars, whether it's about national security, whether it's about veterans affairs, rehabilitation, Americanism, or children and youth. And on there, too, you can we address veteran suicide. That was one of my main issues whenever I started campaigning for national commander. Mm-hmm. And it's the reason I came up with, one of the reasons I came up with my theme of no veteran left behind is doing buddy check, checking on our veterans, seeing how they're doing, just wellness checks, saying hi. And maybe you can be the one to save one, to save one life today. Amen. And, uh, that, that's very high on our priority, too. A- amen to that. Uh, again, no better time to reemphasize uh, that fact as well. Paul Dillard, thanks very much for uh, taking the time. We appreciate it. Well, thanks for having us, Chris. So happening this weekend, the Findlay Police Department's 7th Annual Bicycle Rodeo. It'll be tomorrow at the Marathon Center for the Performing Arts, in the parking lot there. Happening tomorrow morning. The goal is to keep kids safe on all of their summer adventures. And in case you missed it, last Wednesday, Findlay Police Department Crime Prevention Officer Brian White dropped by the studio to tell us more about the Bicycle Rodeo.
Good timing. May is uh, Bike Safety Month and also Motorcycle Safety Awareness Month. So uh, I guess first and foremost, uh, message number one is a reminder to all of us that we need to share the road. Absolutely. Yeah. Create space. Uh, one of the biggest things we can do is uh, be considerate of others, share uh, the roadway, like you mentioned, and mm-hmm. make sure we're looking out for each other. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, obviously, the uh, mirror image or the flip side of that coin is that uh, bike riders, whether we're talking about uh, motorcycles or bicycles, uh, also have to make sure that they are engaged in safe uh, behavior. Absolutely. On the roadway. And uh, when we're talking about a motor vehicle, usually we have some kind of protective shell around us, mm-hmm. along with the seatbelt helps keep us safe. When we're on a motorcycle or a bicycle, obviously, we're kind of exposed. Yeah. So wearing a helmet is probably one of the best things we can do. Absolutely. So that is uh, message uh, number one. And uh, that kind of leads us to the bicycle rodeo where the main uh, purpose is to impart that uh, safety message. Absolutely. Uh, in May, my presentations for the third grade classrooms I go into is bicycle safety. So this is uh, kind of our culmination event at the end, right? We kind of talk about the bicycle rodeo and employing a lot of these safe practices that we talked about in class. Mm-hmm. So we do give away helmets at the rodeo as part of uh, State of Ohio's Put a Lid on It program. They offer us a donation of uh, helmets to give away at the event. And we pair up with several other agencies, such as the OSU Extension Office. They run a obstacle course where we teach kids the ins and outs of bicycle safety, and then they get to practice it, mm-hmm. and they actually get awards based on how well they do. Very and cool. they also get to test out those skills on the roadway with trained professionals. What are uh, some of the, the most important points that you hope to drive home? Well, the biggest thing, it's actually quite interesting. When I do a survey in the class of how many kids are using the roadway, uh, about half the class at third grade. So one, it's really important that they're aware of traffic, right? Mm-hmm. That they're looking out for cars because cars aren't always looking out for them. Right. And two, that they're remembering that they are a motor vehicle as well. So they're required to obey those same laws. We're not stopping at a stop sign, stopping at a light, mm-hmm. using turn signals, which they usually don't think about, right? Hand mm-hmm. signals when we're making uh, turns. Right. And um, not necessarily required to wear a helmet, but the importance of wearing a helmet just mm-hmm. in case. We've talked about this uh, before in that uh, question of sure. uh, riding on the road, riding on the sidewalk. And I know when yep. I was a kid, the advice was stay off the sidewalk, sure. it, uh, watching out for pedestrians. That's not always the best uh, advice these days. Well, we still offer that same advice, right? One of the safest places we can be is out of the roadway, up on the sidewalk, mm-hmm. in an area where there's not high traffic pedestrians, right? Yeah. That, that's really our concern yeah for instance downtown we have a lot of people walking on the sidewalks and that's actually the idea behind these bicycle lanes yeah uh, on quarry street and blanchard street Mm -hmm. is to get uh, bicycles around the downtown area yeah so we still advocate for using sidewalks when there's no pedestrians especially with younger kids we don't want them in the roadway Mm -hmm. Uh, cars aren't always obeying the speed limits sometimes we got faster traffic more cars right it's just a recipe for disaster um and then but at the same time uh obviously there are areas where that's not practical some places where it's not even possible i know in my neighborhood we don't have sidewalks so uh you ride your bike you're going to be relegated uh, in 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 the street and uh so you do have to be aware of you know those uh rules of the road as it were absolutely absolutely and there's a few other uh tips and tricks that we throw in there as well Mm -hmm. for instance uh bright clothing right make yourself stand out a lot of times we see kids on bicycle with darker clothing, especially when it's starting to get a little bit darker outside. It makes visibility really tough. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they can brighten up their bicycle with things like reflectors on the helmets, on the bicycle in different places, even lights on the spokes. 
lots of different things that they can do. The bicycle rodeo itself uh, geared for kids. What ages? The, the, the age range that we're looking for is four to 12. That being okay. said, we don't turn people away. Right. If, if we have a family member shows up with an older sibling, younger sibling, that's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. We're happy to have anyone there. And uh, you do need to be accompanied by a parent. That, that's correct. Uh, yeah. There is a uh, liability waiver that needs signed. needs signed by a parent. And the okay. parents need to explain to the kids the, the form, which outlines the rules that we're looking at. And uh, with that, there is a message uh, for the grownups as well that obviously just like with seatbelt laws and motor vehicle laws when the kids start driving uh, the best way that we can imp- impart that knowledge is by setting a good example setting a good example an imitation right yeah uh, kids are going to do what we do if we don't wear a helmet they're not going to wear a helmet right yeah and if we're not uh, observing the rules of the road then absolutely they're going to pick up on that as well so uh, obviously this is a message not just for kids and the bicycle rodeo is coming up saturday may 21st uh from nine in the morning till 10 uh, 11 in the morning and it is free uh folks don't have to register or anything no, no registration is is yeah. a free event you just bring yourself bring your bicycle bring your helmet if you have one again if you someone does not have a helmet we will give them one make sure that uh, you and uh, you'll also uh, take a look see at the uh, give the bicycles themselves a once over to make sure that yes. they are actually safe vehicles to be yep uh, we have several stations uh, we have four mandatory stations that they have to go through first mm-hmm. and that would include uh, the registration that would include the bicycle licensing not that uh, license is required in our city However, it is a good means to get uh, bicycles back to the rightful owner should they become lost or stolen. A lot of uh, good information. The uh, Findlay Police Department's 7th Annual Bicycle Rodeo coming up uh, tomorrow, again, uh, 9 to 11 o'clock at the uh, Marathon Center for the Performing Arts there in the parking lot. And they'll have uh, emergency vehicles uh, on display and they'll have donuts and juice and coffee (laughs) to wake everybody up tomorrow morning. Now, uh, there is a... Uh, rain date of uh, June 18th. Uh, they may need that, but the good news is the weather forecast uh, is calling for the rain beginning in the afternoon tomorrow. So it'll be cloudy in the morning, but likely will not be raining. They'll be able to get that in before the uh, weather hits tomorrow in the forecast. But the uh, bicycle rodeo happening uh, tomorrow. If you want more information, we've got it linked up at our webpage at goodmornings.net. You can check that out online and if you want to hear our complete conversation with brian white the finley police department crime prevention officer on the bicycle rodeo and everything that goes along with that uh, just go to the uh, good mornings podcast edition wherever you get your podcasts and uh, go back to this past wednesday's uh, show is when we uh, had him into the uh, studio to talk about that in case you missed it We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. Nathaniel George Booker, age 37, faces um, two counts of driving under the influence and obstructing traffic uh, after police in suburban Chicago found... Mr. Booker sleeping in his car and blocking traffic in the middle outbound lane of a local highway about 1.30 in the morning last Friday, according to police. (laughs) He was he was uh, he was sleeping in his car in the middle lane of the highway. What makes this story particularly this was in the uh, suburban Chicago town 
of Maywood. What is particularly interesting about this story is that Nathaniel George Booker is the mayor of the town. <laughs> he was elected mayor last year after serving as a village trustee for two years prior to that. He was released on his own recognizance. <laughs> Not going to do his re-election effort any favors, I don't think. Uh, elsewhere in the broken news this morning, a Florida woman is under arrest for allegedly crashing into multiple vehicles and throwing a fake snake at cops in order to avoid a traffic stop. All of this to avoid a traffic stop. Dawn LaShawn LaPrade, age 54, faces multiple charges and even more charges are pending. Uh, so far, four counts of aggravated assault on a police officer and fleeing and eluding. Aggravated assault with a rubber snake. Investor, investigators say the chase began when the suspect intentionally hit one of the Martin County Sheriff's Office vehicles as she tried to evade a traffic stop. She fled deputies, reaching speeds of up to 100 miles an hour, striking, striking another patrol car and a civilian truck, injuring three people inside. Uh, while driving, she motioned to the deputies that she had a gun, even though she didn't, and she drove erratically trying to cause them to crash, according to the sheriff's office. When deputies finally got her stopped and approached the suspect, she threw a fake snake at them. Four people were transported to the hospital, non-life-threatening injuries. According to the sheriff's office, the deputies hit by the woman were not injured. Ms. LaPrade was booked into jail and is being held on a $90,000 bond. <laughs> she threw a fake snake at the cops. Uh, <clears throat> elsewhere in the broken news... In Maryland, the Marion County Health Department in Maryland says that they were called to, speaking of traffic uh, adventures, uh, Marion County Health Department says they were called to I-465 after a semi-crash left chocolate-covered raisins and peanuts scattered across the road. <laughs> what a mess. Police say the semi-trailer hit a structure uh, holding the highway signs, the highway signpost on I-465 South, just north of the Washington Street exit on the east side of Indianapolis uh, yesterday. Wait a minute. Uh, so in the east side of Indianapolis yesterday morning, but it said Maryland. I'm sorry, that's a that's a typo. That's uh, Marion County, Indiana, I guess. Anyway. Uh, this happened early yesterday morning, wherever it happened. It happened yesterday morning. The uh, cab of the truck separated from the trailer, tore the trailer in half, causing the spillage. The right two lanes of the highway had to be closed for more than eight hours as crews cleaned up the chocolate-covered raisins and peanuts all over the highway. Two secondary crashes in the same location caused one person to go to the hospital with minor injuries. So <laughs> They can be slippery when they... Hit the highway and melt. That must have been just a mess. That's wow. Uh, let's see. Uh, elsewhere, this is kind of weird. A woman by the name of Emanuela Rose, uh, her former name, Abby, she now goes by Emanuela, lives in London, England, says she is in love with an invisible alien. That's right. She says she met the alien after posting on Instagram about how she would rather date someone from a different planet than go on another Tinder date. <laughs> I, 
didn't know that aliens were monitoring social media, but apparently so. She uh, claims she was later abducted from her apartment by a UFO that covered her in a beam of yellow light. She claims she was then brought on board the spacecraft and was introduced to her invisible lover, Emmanuel. And that's what inspired her to change her name to Emanuela. So it's Emmanuel and Emanuela. He's an invisible alien. She's just weird. She says they've now been dating for a year and they're ready to get married. She also claims the aliens do not have a human form and that her physical intimacy with the alien is better than with any Earthman she's ever been with. She says aliens are loving light and pure energy. She says it does cause a problem. They can't go all the way because it would kill me. Because they're like pure energy. <laughs> Not to be outdone, there's the story of Felicity Rossi, age 23, from Massachusetts, who says she is attracted to objects. She said she fell in love and married her soulmate, a zombie doll, back in 2018. A zombie doll. The Massachusetts woman says she has recently shared, started her dream, started, <laughs> she recently started her dream family of nine, which includes six zombie doll children. Oh, that's nice. He's starting a family. She also says she recently entered into a polyamorous relationship with a six foot tall zombie doll named Robert. <laughs> and apparently her original zombie doll is okay with this. So many people think that I am strange, delusional, and maybe even evil, she says, for the type of Halloween horror dolls that I love. They don't understand how I can communicate with them, but I do this through dreams, and I can feel them communicate with me. My family is involved with my daily life. I sing to them, I cook with them, I eat with them, and I take them out for air, one at a time. Well, it takes all kinds, but as long as they're happy, I guess. <laughs> there you go. Uh, that is today's uh, broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news, and it certainly is that this morning, brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you. I don't judge. I don't judge. Just report. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. This is Ed Lentz with OSU Extension. It's planning season. Drivers will be sharing roads with tractors and farm machinery. Be alert for slow-moving vehicles, especially on roads with limited visibility. Watch out for equipment pulling in and out of fields. Drivers and farmers, let's work together this spring to keep our roads safe and accident-free. This message from WFIN and 95.5 FM. And now your daily download this morning, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. More than half of Americans feel that they handle their finances better than their parents did. This is according to a, a new survey that may be a bit surprising. It was a poll of 2,000 adults looked at how different generations perceive money. And they found that 58% of Americans in the, in the survey believe that they are better financial managers than their parents were. But 65% admit to being uncomfortable talking uh, with their parents about money. 
And that may be because nearly 60% believe their parents had previously judged their financial habits or their financial decisions. Are you guilty of that with your uh, with your kids, judging them for the way they handle their money? And it, again, maybe we shouldn't judge because <laughs> apparently they're better at handling their uh, funds than we are. Uh, it hasn't hindered people in achieving their financial goals or teaching others about their tips, hits, and misses. Regardless of age, almost 6 in 10 respondents said they are confident enough in their financial habits to pass them down to their children. So maybe, just maybe, uh, we are starting to slowly improve our overall money habits in this country, and that would certainly be a good thing. And once again, my wife Kyra has joined us in the studio as we wrap up the week with more recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. Hello there. Good morning. You're all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed this morning. Yep. I had coffee. <laughs> <laughs> she's had her coffee, and uh, she's ready to go. I'm ready for another one. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, by the way, next week, uh, as we're getting ready for uh, Memorial Day, we've got some yep. uh, great recipes for the grill, for your yes. backyard barbecue uh, for uh, Memorial Day next weekend. Next so, weekend. I'll do Be a little prepared. preview uh, on that. <laughs> but this morning, uh, we have some uh, really uh, cool recipes, easy stuff, and uh, delicious recipes, of course, from Kyra's Kitchen, beginning with a grilled chicken and tortellini caprese. Yes, so 12 ounces of cheese tortellini, a quarter cup of fresh basil, uh, finely chopped, one teaspoon of Italian seasoning, or yeah, half a teaspoon of Italian seasoning, two okay. grilled boneless chicken breasts, half a teaspoon of salt, quarter teaspoon of uh, black pepper, one tablespoon of olive oil, 16 ounce of your grape tomatoes cut in half, eight ounce mozzarella balls, a quarter cup of balsamic glaze, and one 16 ounce bottle of balsamic vinaigrette dressing. All right. So cook the tortellini as instructed on the package, drain and spray with cold water to stop the cooking process. Uh, season the chicken breast with salt and pepper and grill it. Um, uh, in a large bowl, add the cooled tortellini, salt and pepper, basil, Italian seasoning, and grape tomatoes. Top with the balsamic dressing. Toss that all together. Add your mozzarella uh, to the bowl and drizzle with your balsamic glaze. Then slice up your grilled chicken and place on top of the tortellini caprese and serve. Yeah, really easy. Yes. And I like that uh, you uh, do grill up the chicken, so you yes. got that little grilling oh, yeah. thing going gotta on. Have the got to have the taste of grill. It's perfect Yum. for this weekend because yes. it's going to be nice and warm. So yes. the grilled chicken and tortellini caprese. Uh, and then I love uh, I love this. We have uh, mini, mini garlic monkey muffins. Yes. So you have <laughs> now, your... What? Monkey muffins. <laughs> you have your monkey bread. This is monkey muffins because oh, they're okay. small. Oh, okay. Yes. All right. Yes. I just saw that there and I saw the mini garlic monkey muffins. Yes. And I was like, that's something you exclaim when something goes wrong in the kitchen. Oh, <laughs> monkey muffins. Well, here's your chance to actually make monkey muffins. <laughs> uh-huh. 
<laughs> so one 16-ounce uh, tube of your refrigerated flaky biscuits, a quarter cup of butter melted, two tablespoons of freshly grated Parmesan, two teaspoons of garlic powder, one teaspoon of dried Italian seasoning, and your salt to taste. Mm -hmm. So preheat your oven to 375 degrees. Lightly coat a 12-count muffin tin uh, pan with your nonstick cooking spray. Cut each of the biscuits into eights, uh, making about 64 pieces. In a large bowl, whisk together your butter, your Parmesan, your garlic, and your Italian seasoning and salt. And reserve two tablespoons of that because you're going to put that on top. Okay. Um, then uh, set that aside. So stir in biscuit pieces and gently toss to, to combine. So stir your butter mixture into your biscuit pieces. Mm -hmm. um, drop about five pieces into each of your cups um, using your uh, fingertip. Then gently press the last, uh, like one last piece on top so okay. that it kind of forms that dome type. Gotcha. Okay. okay. And then uh, place into the oven, bake until golden brown, about eight to 10 minutes, um, and brush with the remaining butter mixture and then serve. Serve it immediately while yes. it's still warm. Yes. Yeah. So that's pretty good. Uh, and again, eight to 10 minutes. Yeah. As, you know, this was, I was thinking as you were uh, talking about that with the uh, recipe before, you're doing the uh, grill, you're firing up the grill for the chicken, but mm -hmm. you're not turning on the oven, which again, you get to this time of year and you don't yeah. want to warm up the kitchen and, right. and all of that. Yeah. And this is only eight to 10 minutes. Yeah. So yeah. at 375, so it's not like it's going to yeah. uh, be And this bad. might be something you might be able to do in your air fryer. I mean, oh. like, uh, you know, with ours, yeah. you know, the yeah. type that we you have, that. you can... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if you are so inclined, give that a try and let us let know us how know. that works out. Yes. Uh, and then for dessert, a lemon dump cake. Yes. So two 12-ounce jars of your lemon curd, eight-ounce cream cheese softened, one large egg at room temperature, uh, a quarter cup granulated sugar, one box of vanilla uh, lemon or white cake mix. I use the lemon because I like lemon. Because it's a lemon dump yes. cake. So. Yes. And lemon and lemon. Oh, just so much lemon. I love it and three-fourths cups of butter melted so preheat the oven to 350 degrees spread the lemon curd in the bottom of your 9 by 13 inch baking dish then in a medium bowl use a hand mixer to combine your cream cheese your egg your granul and your granulated sugar until smooth and combined let me jump in real quick. Uh, you mentioned a hand mixer specifically because you have one of those stand mixers. Yeah, you one could of those... use the stand mixer okay, too. Okay, I was gonna, yeah. I was gonna say, yeah, does it is, make a difference? Yeah. Or... The stand mixer, you just want you want to make sure with your, some stand mixer, mixers don't come with the uh, whisk. And okay. you definitely want the whisk for this one. Okay. All right. So, so that's the... Yeah. Uh, that's that's the why the hand mixer, because okay. you have kind of the whisk where... Okay. Yeah. So, so just to interject there. But you're quickly. more okay. than... Yeah. You can use your... your I didn't want to... I didn't want to think because with some recipes, if you use the wrong mixture uh, mixer, mixer. No. Uh, it'll actually come out wrong. Yeah. No. So... Okay. You just want a whisk. I gotcha. So that's right. that's why. So, so then... Um, now I've lost my place, honey. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so then dollop the cream cheese mixture over the lemon curd. So just like little spoonfuls yeah. all over over that, all, mm -hmm. all over your cheese or all over your lemon curds. Then combine the cake mix um, 
uh, the cake mix and melted butter. Carefully spread that over the lemon curd and cream cheese mixture. Um, you want to make sure you're not mixing everything together. Bake for 40 minutes or until the topping is brown and the lemon filling is bubbled around the edges. Um, allow your allow your cake to rest for about 15 minutes before serving. So it just kind of, because it can be kind of goopy. You just want to let it okay, rest so it for just a, a little, little bit. bit. Yes. Okay. Yep. And then serve with strawberries or ice cream and or, or ice cream. Yes. Yes. Uh, some good stuff there. Uh, so the grilled chicken and tortellini caprici, the mini garlic monkey muffins, and the lemon dump cake. <laughs> you like saying monkey I muffins. Lo- I love saying monkey muffins. <laughs> and dump cake is uh, pretty dump cool, cake too. Is good too. Anyway. I like dump cake. There you go. Dump cake is one of my favorites and so easy. <laughs> you can even do this in the crock pot, so then you wouldn't Ooh, have to turn on the oven. Yeah, there yep. you go. Yeah. Um, I love so doing how does, dump cake in How the does pot. that, uh, again, you're talking about baking it for 40 minutes. How so would that affect big it? Thing, you know? uh, the big thing there would be um, uh, you'll want to wet a paper towel. Okay. And or I'm sorry, don't wet it, but take a paper towel and put it on top of your crock pot to absorb, to the, absorb moisture, the moisture. Correct. So that it doesn't get right. back into and the cake. And you may have to change your paper towel in that. And I would say on high for um, a couple hours. Okay. And you're good All to right. go. There you go. All right. Uh, the uh, recipes from Kyra's Kitchen this morning uh, are posted on the Kyra's Kitchen Facebook page at Kyra's Kitchen WFIN. We have them shared on the WFIN. WFIN Facebook page as well and linked up at goodmornings.net. My wife, Kyra, thanks very much. You're welcome. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. Check it out at goodmornings.net. Coming up Monday on the program, even before the pandemic, as many as one in six children had a treatable mental health disorder, numbers that have only increased of late. And yet the use of mental health services among minors has declined sharply. We'll talk about how to reverse those trends. So until Monday morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day, a great weekend. We'll catch you back here next week.